Yes, we'll be in Psalm chapter 65. A, uh, a chapter of rejoicing, that's for sure. A chapter of praising God. A chapter of boasting about what He has done and who He is. And i uh, not sure when it was written. And uh, we know David, the man after God's own heart, David the shepherd, David the king, wrote this. <clears throat> And we have, we have definitely been able to look into the heart of David. And if, if you haven't been reading through the Psalms, we are trying to read through the Psalms, well, one day at a time, just one chapter a day. Today's 65, tomorrow 66, and the next day 67, and the next day 68. Just reading through. And uh, it really is a piece of cake. I mean, it takes you like two minutes, I think, to read through it, unless you're really going to study through. But I'm telling you, um, it has been so rich for me. Um, probably my favorite book in the entire Bible. Um, as much as there is stories and, and cool illustrations all over the place, this book brings rest. I mean, I have been... I just see in Psalm chapter 1 that tree that is planted by the waters that just keeps soaking up and the roots grow deeper. I mean, that's what I feel like the more that I read this. It, like, it keeps confirming over and over and over and over that God will deliver you. That God is going to take care of you. It keeps over and over. You keep discovering who God is and what His character is and how He works. I just love to see it. Many of the times I want my heart to speak something to the Lord, I just go to the Psalms. Because it says exactly what my heart's cry is. The things that I want to say, the things that I want to sing. I write... I, all the time when I'm going through here and I find uh, just sweet verse or sweet verses, I'll highlight them and put great lyrics for a song. Because they are, they're perfect. And I'm trying to write more and more and I just... I think the more that you understand a man that was after God's heart, you can become that man or that woman after God's heart. It's not to understand exactly what that means. I think a lot of people think walking with God is going to church. Nope. A lot of people think walking with God is being someone you call, you call somebody a Christian. It's like, uh, not exactly. Because the majority of this nation who calls themselves Christian don't walk with God. So it's almost like, when I was in Israel, I would tell people I'm a Christian. Because if you tell them you're a Christian, they think that um, you're like Roman Catholic. Because that's the Christian sector there in Israel, in the old city. And a Christian to them is hey, somebody who's just religious, who goes in and, and to church bells and stained glass windows. And, and hey, there's no real essence, there's no real being inside, there's no real spirit there. And uh, God is calling us to something greater. And I'm telling you that as you read through the Psalms, you will discover God's heart over and over and over again. And it is almost... I feel like every chapter, it's like taking another brick and stacking it. It's just like, okay, how much thicker is this wall going to get? You know, How much more established can this tree go? So we are here in Psalm chapter 65. In the King James here, um, it's actually a little bit thick, uh, a little bit hard to, and difficult to understand. So I'm going to be going back and forth between the ESV version and the, uh, the King James. So I'll be reading in a King James. Bear with me. Let's dive into the scriptures and feast. On the Lord. Father, please minister to us through your word. We need your wisdom. We need your help. 
We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Psalm chapter 65, verse 1. Praise waiteth for thee. And God in Sion, it's the first car there, Sion. Unto thee shall the vow be performed. Stop there. For Sion ever, right there in Scripture. Isn't that powerful? I mean, who is this company who comes up with these names? They think they're being clever. They're just stealing from the Word. But did you notice the first phrase there? It says what? Praise waiteth for thee. In the King James, if you notice in the margin, you'll see that the word waiteth can be interpreted silent. Or silence. Praise silence for thee. Or is silent for you. And the ESV translates it, Praise is due to you. And I, I couldn't get over this as soon as I read it. Praise waiteth on thee. Praise is silent before thee. I, I couldn't help but start thinking about when you wait on people. A server waits on people. A servant waits on a king. Praise waits on our God. It waits on Him. It is silent before Him. It is moved. And, and, and then I love the, the, the variation here between the ESV. It works. It says, praise is due to you. And this is a powerful verse. The reason being is because it's not praise due to our God all day, every day, for the rest of eternity. Praise is what? Due to Him. It is owed to Him. He, de- he deserves it. He has earned it. If anybody has earned anything, it's our King. It's our God. Praise is due to Him. And it's so funny, when we walk into worship services, I don't feel like worshiping today. Huh? I don't feel like going to church. Interesting. I don't feel like reading my word. I don't feel, okay, okay. I had a brother tell me last week, he texted me late in the night. He said, Josh, pray for me when it comes to your, to your mind. I don't think I want to go to church anymore. And I don't like really walking with God. And so I said, then don't come anymore. You think you're doing God a favor by coming? You come with a heart that does not want to praise. You come with a willingness to definitely not obey the word but to do what you want. You're not doing God a favor by going to church. I hope you know that. If the heart is not right, if you do not give the praise due, it's worth nothing. Opening the Word out of discipline and not desiring to feast on what the Lord has for you does not bring you much, maybe a little bit of information, but your soul is not satisfied. I remember course in explaining something to us when I was there in the desert, set my life free. Set me free. Let me explain there in Romans chapter 7. It talks a lot about this. We're not going to go there. But being free from the law, what does that mean? Did you know that Jesus lived a perfect life and did everything according to the law? Everything perfect according to the law. Did you know that? And did you know that Jesus gave you His life So what do you have? A life that is what? Perfect according to the law. Jesus lived a life perfect according to the law. He gave you that life. So when God looks at you, sees His life, what does He see? Wow, a life perfect according to the law. 
And I remember John telling us, do you think that you're doing God a favor by doing all these works to please Him? Jesus already pleased Him with all of His works. You don't have to do that. So I started saying things like, did you know that you don't have to read your Bible? Jesus read His Bible every day for you and gave His life to you. Did you know that you don't have to pray all day every day? What? Jesus did that. He prayed all day every day, lived a perfect life for you. Did you know that? He gave that life to you. Gave that. Jesus went to church. He never missed. He was perfect. He did everything that you were trying to do, and He did it perfect. And then He gave that to you and said, You can have this, and I'm going to take your life, your works, your filthiness, your everything. He took that, and He gave you what He did. So John was telling him, he's like, boys, you don't have to read. You don't have to pray. You don't have to go to church. You don't even have to show your faith. Huh? And he said that only 13% of the church understand. no, yes, only 13% of the church understands this, and only 3% teach it. Because pastors are scared. If you teach that to your people, they will stop reading, they will stop praying, they will stop going to church, and they will stop sharing the gospel. But the complete opposite happened within my heart. As soon as I understood how far Jesus had gone for me and what He had given to me, and how there was no burden on my life to make sure I'm at church all the time and reading my Bible all the time and praying all the time, I was free to do what? To go to church all the time, to read all the time, to walk with Christ. And it freed up my life like never before when I understood that I was free from the law. God is not looking down on you saying, You better... Jesus already did it for you. That is why praise is due to our King for things like that. What I'm telling you is this, just as I told the boy. He's not a boy, but my buddy. You're not doing God a favor. You're not making Him smile up there in heaven. He's already smiling because of what Jesus did for you. The work is finished. It's done. It is finished. That's what Jesus said. It's finished. That's why you can't work to get to heaven. And what you must understand, family, is this. That when you understand the freedom and the grace that has set you free in Christ Jesus, that God is not looking down on you, pointing the finger at you and saying, you better be working for me all your life like a slave. No, that's what, that's what Allah says. That's what whoever the Mormon God is says. You've got to work to get to heaven, man. You can't just walk in for free. And God is saying, we give you freedom. Praise is due to our God. He's the greatest king to ever walk the earth. There is no one like him. There is nothing like him. And that is why we must praise him, lift him up. And I hope that you would be encouraged to spend more time in the Word because of those things. To be more involved in your church because of those things. To share with people out there this freedom that Christ gives. Wow. What a great king, huh? What a great God. Praise waits on you. Verse 2. O that thou hearest, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Unto thee shall all flesh come. Is Is that not a true statement? Isn't it funny how people here in this world think that They're not going to live forever. They will live forever in one way or another. 
They will live in complete separation from God or in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. And God will watch. He says that all men, all flesh will come to Him. He says there in verse 3, Iniquities prevail against me as for our transgressions. Let me, tra- let me translate that. The ESV, it's a little bit clearer. It says, When iniquities prevail against me, you alone for our transgressions. I'm sorry, you atoned. I can't read it. I need to get a little close to my face. You atone for the transgressions. And I hope that you understand the difference between just, hey, I think simple sin, like we sin every day, we, we mess up, we do things that we shouldn't do, and um, man, that's because we're, we are waging against this imperfect body. Um, I kind of thought of this illustration this last week as I was thinking about my own walk with God. I feel like a schizophrenic sometimes, like, okay... Um, like, before I knew Christ, I just lived my life. I did what I wanted to do. I just had one vision. I was selfish. I did my own thing. It was all about me and mine. And now? And then what? I am born again. Something happens. God regenerates the spirit inside of me. And now what? My spirit is alive, but what? My flesh is man, still dead. It's in sin. And so now there's a spirit inside of me alive, but the flesh on the outside is not redeemed. This is still suffering sin. The repercussions. So what happens? There's a war going on inside of me all the time. The spirit inside me, which has been, hey, redeemed, desires to do right. But the flesh wants to do wrong all the rest of my life. And that makes me so angry. Because, man, I want to be free from this flesh. I I long for the day when I step into heaven and the flesh, it's just off me. It's like, I don't even... No, I don't have to try anymore. I'm free, man. That will be a powerful day. But David is saying, not just the little sins that you do, but he says the transgressions you have atoned for. The transgression is one of this, knowing you're doing something wrong and doing it anyways. You know what I'm talking about? I've been there many times. I'm like talking to Father. Father, I know this is sin, and I don't want to deal with it. Father, I know I should do this, and I don't want to. I know this is sin right in front of my face, and I'm going to go after it. The transgression. It's sick. It's wicked. It's bad. It's deep within us. And God atones for that. Isn't that a blessing? Think about the times. If someone looked at you in the face and said, guess what? I'm about to punch you and laugh. (laughs) Going to forgive me? I am going to not only do something against you. Bless them, Father. Bless them. (laughs) Drop a grace bomb from the sky on them. Bam! salvation. Listen, if someone does that to you, or if someone told you they were going to do something wrong to you, and they did it, you would be ticked. Would you forgive? That's the worst. When someone looks you in the face, just like, I know this is wrong, and I'm going to do it. Watch me. 
You see parents struggle with children as they tell their parents, no, I'm going to do this. And parents weep and cry over their children. Generation, open your eyes, for the day is near for many of us. And I'm sure you will cry for your children. Or your grandchildren or your niece and nephews, whomever they may be. You know what I'm talking about. A people that know it is wrong and do it anyways. And God says, I forgive you of that. Yeah, I mean, so many times when I start to understand the grace of God over and over my life, I want to tell Father, Lord, you've blessed too much. You are giving way too many blessings to my life. You need to pull back on those things. Allow suffering for like a year. Allow tribulation to come. He is so good. He gives life in that abundantly. He causes all things to work together for good. He gives you a peace that surpasses understanding. Cast your burden upon me. I'll give you rest. It's like, Lord, how many more gifts are you going to give? How many more blessings are you going to provide all my needs? Wow, I mean, why do you keep pulling through for me? Why don't you leave me and forsake me a couple times? You are so gracious. There is a generation going on even right now that what? Looks at God, gives Him hey, the finger and says, we don't want to have anything to do with you, God. And He still reaches His hand out and says, I will forgive that. The transgressions of a nation. How many is that? How many? There are so many. Did you know that? That there are so many that laugh in the face of our God. They mock Him. They laugh. And they try to do everything they can to tear down the name of our King. And our king looks at them and says, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. That is amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Look at verse 4. It says, Blessed is the man whom thou chooseth and causeth to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. What does it say there in the beginning? Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, whom God has chosen, and causes to approach you, thee. Blessed is the man, is he not? Blessed is the man that God reaches his hand out to and draws to himself. Blessed is the man that God causes to come to him. And if we think, for even a moment, that there's something good within us that would desire to come to God, we are wicked to the core. He offers salvation freely. And anything that comes from our lives is always a result of Him. It has nothing to do with us. Nothing. And that is a powerful thing to know. That for some reason God has called you and brought you into this room tonight. And that He has brought you to Himself. Why did God chase you? Why did God pursue you? Why has He put up those roadblocks in your life and, and been so persistent on your life? Aren't you happy? Young people, aren't you happy that God has brought you to salvation at a young age? 
You know how many older people tell me, I wish, Josh, I wish I would have things in order like you have your life right now. And I'm like, really? See, I'm not exactly successful in the world's eyes. I just kind of just do Jesus stuff. That's what I like to do. Many would mock and laugh, but maybe I hope to be doing something good for the king. And they say, man, that's power. And I say, it has nothing to do with me. God's been gracious to me for some reason. Some people come to salvation at 40, and others at 60. Why me at 17? Why? God is the one who has done the work. It says, blessed is the man whom thou choose, and cause to approach unto you. That what? He may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even thy holy temple. You know what satisfies your mouth and your soul day in and day out? It is the goodness of God. It is something that we must all understand and figure out. Something you will never stop discovering all the days of your life is the goodness of our God. If you discover God, you are now on the same level as God. You will never discover Him completely. I think that's what eternity is. Eternity, heaven is, discovering God. You will never know as much as Him. You will never be as powerful as Him. You will never understand everything that He does. Sure, we will know many things when we walk into heaven. But to understand the mind of God and to have the understanding that God has, then you can understand like a God. And you will never be a God. Anybody who's ever told you that, it is not going to happen. Um, There are many cults out there telling you that you can be deified. It's absolutely not going to happen. There is one God, and He alone is to be worshipped and and lifted up. But back to His goodness. Truly, God is good. Okay? Okay? You've got to understand this. He is good to the core. He is good inside and out. Is He good when hard times come? Yep. Has He allowed and caused those things to come? Yes. Is He good? Uh-huh. Okay, so if the entire bottom falls out of my life, like with Job, and all my family is killed, and everything's taken away from me, and God is the one who has done this to me, is He good? Yes. He is good and He's doing the right thing. He's doing what is best for your life. Many people, this is fundamental in Christianity. And I think that you see many people on a roller coaster like this with their walk because they do not understand that God is good. If you understand that God is good, you will not be running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You'll be focused because you understand that the bad things happening in your life are what? Good. Because God is allowing them to happen. He's going to what? Work them for good. You've got to understand, this is something that I've learned. And I don't know if I've got it down. I can't say that. But I just feel I'm walking with the Lord for just, I don't know what it's been. It's been like like eight or nine years. And I think just being in the ministry and up and down and just dealing with people's problems... And what I keep telling people over and over as they come to me and ask for wisdom or ask for something, I just keep telling them, the Lord's good, He's going to take care of you, He's going to pull through. I think I say it so many times, then guess what, when something happens in my life, guess what i got to do? Josh, the Lord's good, He's going to pull through, man, you preach it. Now live it. Walk in it. And you know what my life is going to be for the rest of my life? I know, already. 
It's going to be great times of joy and happiness, celebration of my King for the great things that He's done in my life. And then it's going to be heavy sadness, persecution, depression, and hard times. It will come upon me. The enemy will send it upon me. God will allow it to come upon me, and guess what? I must, we have to rejoice in it. We have to say that this is good. God knows what He's doing. He's on the throne. He is truly good to the core. And it says here that when a man, when God draws him to himself, he will be experiencing the goodness of God in the temple, in his courts, even thy holy temple. Verse 5, By terrible things or awesome things, in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with power. Did you see that? His strength has set the mountains. I don't know if you've ever looked at this before. It's great. When you're out and about, just there in nature, just walking around, I love looking at a mountain from afar. Because I look at the size of the thing, and I, and I recognize how much I can lift. Okay. In the gym, a lot of guys just put me to shame, right? But then I look at this, it is God who has set those mountains into place. I think this is a tip that you can understand and know and put in your pocket. Keep it with you. That hey, when you're going through hard times and you're trying to figure out something in life, just go and look at Nate. Go and look at the mountains and recognize. He put those there. He just said, here you go, you're going to go there. And you over there, bam, I like that, that looks good. You know how big the ocean is? He said it there with one word. Bam, there it is, here you go. He creates it without, it doesn't take anything. Many of you can't even make a paper airplane. Many of you can't even cook a meal. Is that enough? Many of you... I'll stop there. (laughs) But Father creates things whenever He desires, whenever He wants. Here you go. Here you go, just created that. Uh, uh, There's an ocean. Uh, There's a thousand mountains. What's that? Let's try this. Bam, there it is. Now, I like a million mountains. That sounds better. Yeah, Okay. Even just one, you look at the size. The ocean is so big, there is more land underwater than there is on top. And there is more underwater, which we have never even seen nor discovered, than on this earth. There is so much down there. I just love that. And as we were talking last week, we've Yes, only 4% of the universe can we see. And the other 96%, we don't have any clue what it is. Who knows the ways of God? You have great confidence in your King. Understand what He is doing. That He alone girds the mountains, puts them down by His strength and His power. Verse 7, which sits, I'm sorry, silent, the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves. 
And the tumult of the people, or multitude of the people, he is the one who silences. They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are afraid at thy tokens. Thou makest the outgoing of the morning and evening to rejoice. Gosh. These words are so deep, I don't, I just, I don't, you just got to let them speak for themselves because I don't even know how to describe exactly what God's talking about. He causes the morning and the evening to rejoice, to come forth and rejoice. What does that mean? Does that mean the birds coming out early in the morning chirping? Does that mean as the sun goes down, you see everything is very calm and still? He does all this. He makes the sun rise every day and he puts it down. He can cause the waters to not make any noise anymore. That's power. All the oceans in the world, silent. No more talking from all of you. The oceans. Animals? I don't want to hear a peep out of any of you. Quiet down. I really like looking at the animals and wondering if Jesus, I always ask him, did the Lord just walk by here? Did you see him? Because, hey, they bow to the king. They know who he is. They know exactly who he is. He's their creator. And he has created all these things. He's the one who makes the outgoing of the morning and the evening to rejoice. Verse 9, And you visit the earth and water it. Thou greatly enrich it with the river of God, which is full of water. Wow. Thou preparest the corn. I'm sorry, thou preparest them corn, when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers, and blesseth it. The springing of thereof, I'm sorry. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy path drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. <sighs> Creation. Sings. I love, I love that beginning there, what I just read. The, the first part there, it says in verse 9, Thou visit the earth and water it. You see that? Thou greatly enrich it with the river of God. Do you know that everything is held together by Him and for Him? Everything on this earth is held together by God. And He is the one who waters these trees. If He doesn't want them to be watered, they're not going to be. If it doesn't want water to fall, it's not going to happen. But when rain falls, everything is blessed. When the rain of God falls, everything is blessed. I want to close with that. Wow, Josh. Kind of early. Listen. Listen. When God rains upon the earth, it is blessed. And it is fulfilled it is lush, it produces, it comes forth. And I want you guys to know this. Listen, family, this is important. The only times, which I was just discovering, 
just yesterday as I was, I was just worshiping with the Lord by myself. And during the time I started recognizing how much I don't like not being in His presence. How much, when I'm not in the presence, I don't even realize it, but I'm not, I'm not in a place of rejoicing. I'm not in a time of happiness. And when God rains upon me, I'm telling you the branches start to grow and the leaves come forth and corn is produced and you name it starts to come. Power. And I sense it upon my life here and there when I choose to get into His presence, when I choose to walk in it. And what I'm trying to say to you is this. I think that there's a faucet point from heaven, that there's a cloud that sits there and rains 24 hours a day. But for some reason, the people of God choose to walk away all the time. And they miss out on the sweet blessings, the refreshing times that come from the Lord. As I was sitting there, just in the presence of the Lord yesterday, I was just sitting there. What does that mean? In the presence of God, Josh? It sounds all mystical and weird. What are you, trying, what are you saying? It's a time... I don't exactly know how to explain. It's just—it's in a time of worship. It's in a time of prayer. It's even when you're just walking with the Lord. And it, it's just a great time of joy. It's a great time of conviction. It's a great time of just Jesus, just being close to Him and being near Him. How do you get there? I believe it's when you recognize that you're not there that you can now enter into that place. God is calling us to be in His presence all the time. Calling, calling, calling. And the church is busy, busy, busy. We do not have time to stand and to sit with God. And we wonder why the branches don't flourish, why it's not very green. It's a sad day when we know much about the Bible, but we don't spend time in His presence. Remember a song that says, In Your presence, that's where I belong. In Your presence, O Lord, my God. And just a couple psalms back, David said, In Your tabernacle, in Your tent, I want to be forever. Want to know why? You know what's in the tent? You know what's in the tabernacle? The presence of God. I can't remember. There's a couple men there in the Old Testament that spent days. They went in and they didn't come out. They just stayed in there. And I choose to look at the church and the people that I see, powerful men, who you can see are walking in the Spirit, walking with God, walking according to His statutes and listening to His voice. Those who allow the cloud to hover over them and to pour on them daily. Those are ones that will hear the voice of God when He is calling. I believe He calls to this group every single day, family. Every day. And desires to pour on us and to rain on us. For some of you, maybe you haven't sat in the presence of the King for a little while. I'll never forget one of my closest friends when I used to look at him as we'd be in the car and he would be blasting worship music and he would be celebrating next to me. 
And I kind of thought, like, eh, I don't know if I want to get that crazy, you know. Like, I don't want to know if I want to really start clapping my hands. And, and it used to just fill them with joy like i just never seen. And now, my friend, I don't know when the last time he's even sat in the presence of the Lord. And that is a question I so desire to even ask. And I ask here tonight for every single person. There comes a time when you can't even worship in your car by yourself. You can't lift your hands. And get quiet before God and alone with Him. In His presence. It's a dangerous day. It's a dangerous day to grow here and not grow here. The whole purpose in doing all of this family is so that you get into the presence of God more in your life. That's what this is about. Walking with God. If you are walking with Him, you are in His presence. Walking with Him. Practicing the presence of the Lord, St. Brother Lawrence wrote a book. And he would wash dishes. That's what he did for an occupation. And he called this practicing the presence of the Lord. He would try to keep his mind in tune with God all day long. What he would do is as soon as his mind got off the things of God, he would discipline it and get back on the things of God immediately. He kept doing that over and over and over and weeks at a time. And did you know? Why did he write a book about that? This is why. Because people from all over the world would come and watch this man wash dishes. Why? Because the presence of God was in that kitchen. And there are stories about people coming all over the place just to come and watch this man wash dishes. The presence of God was with him and around him. When Moses came down off the mountain, what happened? His face was a shone and shined. I know why Christians' faces don't shine. When they don't. It's because they're not in the presence. And I'm telling you, family, This is the one thing that all men in the Bible cry out for, cry out for, cry out for. They just want to see the face of God. They just want to be in His glory. They just want to be in His presence. I was analyzing this this last week. They didn't want to know more. They weren't even wanting to do really great things. They just wanted to do what God wanted. And they just wanted to be close to God. And I'm telling you, that this is the secret. This is the answer to Christianity, period. That God just wants to have a relationship with you and wants you to be in His presence. I'll die saying this. Get alone with Jesus. Get alone! It's been a while. Get alone with Jesus. Take a walk with Him. Get away from the busyness. Bow before Him. Is that too much to ask? No, we're Christians, man. We bow, right? That's what we do. We bow before our King. We lift our hands in worship and sing. We clap to Him. 
We dance before Him. That's what we do, right? We're Christians. We spend time with Jesus. We know Him. We know Him very well, right? That's who we are called to be. And I'm telling you, if the branches are blooming, I'm, this is the reason why. Let God rain on you tonight. Get away with Jesus. Get alone. Get away. Amen? It's crucial. It's one of the sweetest things I ever learned in my life. And I will never get, never forget, I will never forget the long hours. It was literally one of the sweetest times. I would, there when I was in Mexico, I would leave the little hut, the little mission there, and just walk and just walk and just walk and just talk and just talk and just walk and just, and that's why I came back a crazy guy, I really did. Because I just started doing the same thing here, and people were just like, what the heck are you doing? You crazy? Who are you talking to? But that's the sweetest place to be. If you're not there, family, get there. If you've never been there, oh, you better run there. You better run. God wants to bless you. Father, I pray for this group. Lord, as, as, as we've seen just some simple principles and some things to look at about you and your nature and your character. But Lord, this, this really stirs me here at the end. That you come and it's the earth rejoices when you rain upon it. And I know that your people just break out in cheering. They break out in celebration when you are close. Ah, Father, keep us close to you. Oh, Lord, how the enemy, if he could do anything to destroy us, anything to hurt us, it's just to get us away from you and your presence. And Lord, that's when we get angry, when we're not in your presence. And Lord, that's when we sin, when we are not in your presence. And Lord, that's when we miss all the crazy opportunity that you have for us. And that's when we blow our witness. And that's when we are not who we are called to be, is when we're away from your presence. And so Father, I just ask that a cloud would even develop over this place and rain upon us. Please, Lord, in this place. Lord, let drops just pour upon each person here. Let them be close to you. Let them be by themselves with you. Help us, Lord. Purge us, Lord. Move us, Lord. Prick our hearts to move and to be close to you and to walk with you. That is heaven, is being with you. We get a little taste of it here on earth. Please, Father. Rain upon your people. Rain upon your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Getting to know Jesus is the center of Christianity. And that's what we're called to. And helping other people get to know Him as well. That's it. Love God, love people.
We've got to be moving from glory to greater glory, okay? What does that mean? I hope Christianity hasn't been on pause for you for the last ten years. Five years, even two months. No! Oh, man. The Lord just brought it to me. I wrote something in my journal and I read it like two days ago. And I had written, the Lord had spoken to me and said, Josh, I have fresh revelation for you every single day. Stop dwelling on yesterdays. Many of us have been stirred a week ago, a month ago, two months ago, and we're still sitting on that same place and God has fresh revelation and blessing for us. How many days a year? When are His blessings and mercies new? Every morning. What a great King, huh? And so I'm telling you, seek God for manna today. Stop living off yesterday. It's got maggots in it. We've got to be moving forward as Christians. We've got to be walking with Jesus all the days of our lives. Amen? I love you guys. I want the best for you. I want you to be blessed. I don't say this to strike down, to make mad. I say this because I know that the way to make that engine purr, the way to make that life work is by walking with Jesus. And so please, I'll beg you to do that. Get away by yourself tonight. Maybe tomorrow morning you need to get away. You need to get away with Jesus by yourself and just talk to Him. You need to open your heart and share with Him the things that are going on. Read a little bit. Ask Him about the verse. Let Him minister to you. Got to get along with the King. Amen? Alright? Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.